Hey there! Did you know Kroger always gives you savings and rewards on top of our lower-than-low prices? And when you download the Kroger app, you'll enjoy over $500 in savings every week with digital coupons. And don't forget fuel points to help you save up to $1 per gallon at the pump. Want to save even more? With a Boost membership, you'll get double fuel points and free delivery. So shop and save big at Kroger today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Restrictions apply. See site for details. At Kroger, shopping with pickup and delivery is the same as shopping in-store. Same low prices, deals, and rewards on the same high-quality items. It's one small click for groceries, one big win for busy families everywhere. Start your cart today at Kroger.com. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. are at, wow, almost 10 hangout or pests or something like that webinars on Saturdays. So for those who are joining us for the first time in Swahili, we say karibu, that is welcome. Uh, so Sally will be teaching you a bit of Swahili. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome is karibu. So when you say karibu, it means welcome. So just try and say like everyone, yes, please welcome. And uh, this is our, um, I don't know what number, I think I've forgotten, but it's always a pleasure to be here. And my um, is Sylvia Mramuchago. I'm the founder of Andy Associates Persons, and our core focus is to support caregivers uh, to one of, as one of our projects. But we mainly rally for inclusion and champion for inclusion here, so that we can see that our country and our special needs children services and um, their rights are upgraded. What is stated in the in, in CRPD and the SDGs and stuff like that. So we want to just improve the standards so far and uh, at least get our kids at par with everyone else across the globe because we are lagging be behind looking at um, where we are and where the rest of the world is, but we'll be catching up slowly. So today due to public demand, we've had to repeat, we had done a, um, speech therapy earlier, but today is a bit different. So all of you are welcome again for those who've been here before, Karibu once again. And we are honored to actually have Sally. And Sally, thank you very much for accepting our invitation to be here today. <laughs> yes, so it is indeed a great honor. And we hope that at least today was going to be a fantastic question, educational, name it, all that. Um, and I can see we have a lot of people joining us. So let's just give them a a few minutes. So Andy Speaks has been there for the past one year. We've been able to champion for a few of the changes we are seeing. And currently at the moment, as a continent, uh, I believe we're all being affected by COVID-19, but then it's uh, terribly difficult on our side with our children having been withdrawn from services, uh, education and school. We're seeing the typical kids at least have TV going on for our children. Uh, we have not had any special inclusion programs being looked at. So we are still rallying to have that. I know they're having discussions about having therapy continued, but I don't know which of the therapies, if it's all of them, but for now, everything is squarely falling on the caregivers. The caregivers have to be mummies, they have to be daddies, they have to 
continue working at the same time, be the teacher, be the doctor, be the therapist. So personally, it, I've, I found that to be a challenge because I'm also a special needs parent. I have um, three boys and, and two of them are on the autism spectrum. So it has been quite a daunting task to say the least. Yeah, so to say the least that has been, and um, I'm seeing at least our sign language interpreter is here. That is Maita Maureen, let me, Karibu Maureen. So I think, I believe you'd be a better person for us to be looking at at this time. So Maureen is a, one of our volunteers at Andy Speaks and she helps us with sign language for our session because we've had uh, several uh, interests in terms of sign language being in, integrated in our sessions. So. Thank you very much, Maureen, and welcome. All right, Sally, I believe we are above 10, and that is an awesome point to start, so you can take the floor, Karibu, Tena. <laughs> okay, okay, so I'm just getting used to how this is working, so I believe right. that uh, uh, I share my screen in a minute, so I just want to say, um, Hello to everybody. I'm really glad that you could come today. I never know which part of this screen to look at. So if my eyes go in every direction, that's <laughs> normal. Um, so uh, I'm here today to speak to you about how to help your children at home. And um, it's a very simple plan. Um, and it just explain how to engage your child's attention and then how to extend that for a bit longer into some activities that are to do with speech and language. And it's meant to be very straightforward. There are a lot of slides, but we do not have to do them all. So I'm going to just try and give you the ones that are the most important for you. And then at the end, we'll have some time for questions. And I think they'll come through on the chat. And any other questions um, that might come to you later on, I'm very happy to field those as much as I can. Um, I have a little bit of experience of working in Kenya. Unfortunately, it was cut short due to the COVID outbreak. And um, I'm very aware how everybody is uh, quite stuck at the moment in their own environment. So um, <laughs> thank you for signing. <laughs> um, I will start the presentation now and it should last for about uh, half an hour, 40 minutes, something like that. And then we can ask, you can ask me questions. Okay, great. So uh, let's just share screen. Bear in mind. If you could kindly introduce yourself also on the chat box so we know who's who's with us, um, at least so that she uh, Sally can have a feel. Do we have caregivers? Do we have fellow special needs um, support, the teachers, therapists? So that at least we have a feel of who our audience is. And remember, we are also live on Facebook um, on the. Andy Speaks platform. If you would like to share, you can actually do that. And uh, yeah, you can also share out that we are on okay. so that we can have more people joining. Bingo, now we're good. <laughs> can you see it now? Can you see it now? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Good Great. To go. Okay, 
So this is about, sorry about the delay. This no is a problem, it's fine, it's fine, no this worries. This is about developing communication methods for your child at home. So it's meant to be six steps in the program really. And the first step is to think about how you have the right environment at home for your child to learn to communicate. And this might be a place that you set up just for that purpose. And it can be very, very simple. In the bottom of this um, slide, you've got like quite a busy looking room um, on the left side at, at the bottom. And it doesn't have to be, your rooms do not have to look like that at all. It could be just a mat, a sitting mat, or it could be a table and a chair that's the right size for your child. Or it could be that they're sitting on their buggy next to something. It could be that they're also, you know, on the floor with you. And I'll go over those uh, positions in a minute. The next step is uh, to understand the communication skills your child can learn from you at home. And that's called the communication house. And I'll go over that. And then the idea is that you can try and work with your child on their attention skills for about 15 minutes adapt to their sitting, hearing and seeing differences and get into their zone of attention. And then the idea is that you then extend that practice to a few different activities where you're still holding their attention, where you might develop a bit of a routine on how you're meant to speak to your child to best get them to learn language and speech off you and then how you can add to your speech with signs and pictures for those children who are not able to pick up verbal words. So that's just a brief overview of what we're going to be doing today. So this next thing is start with the right environment at home. So you need to try and reduce noise distractions. If there's a telly going on in the background, turn it off for now. If there's a lot of music, and it's not about what you're doing, then turn it off. Um, have clear away objects so there's a bit more of an empty space um, because that will direct your child's attention to what you bring into view. The other trip, trick is down the bottom of the screen, there's um, a shoe box with <laughs> a picture of shoes written on the outside of it. And the idea is to have tubs of things because tubs of things are incredibly useful when you can see what's inside the tub because a child really wants what's inside the tub and they need you to get it for them. So it's very good to create communication. If you have a certain place for doing a certain activity, eating dinner in the same place, playing in the same place, it can also help you organize yourself. And to have a steady routine for doing something, having a predictable sequence of action, when you eat your dinner, you know, when you play, when you have chat time, that's useful too. And I'll explain how to do that. Am I um, speaking slowly enough, do you think? <laughs> you're perfect, no worries. Yes, you're going on very well. Okay, sorry. Right, so the next thing to explain is the communication house. Now, I had not come across this idea before I came to Kenya. I came to Kenya and I worked with Yellow House in Kisumu, and they are really using this uh, as an explanation to parents. And it's a great, a great way of explaining how communication works. 
um, and I will explain it now. Your communication house has attention as the building block right at the bottom. If your child is not really able to attend to your speech or things outside of what they're playing with, then really you have to work on those attention skills first. And some children have very short attention. You know, they might look at something for 10 seconds, drop it and pick up something else. So speech and language therapy starts with working on attention. So the next thing is um, you're working on turn taking, imitation and listening. That's the next brick up from the bottom. And these are all things you can teach a child without any toys at all. You can teach them through how you are talking to them. The next step up is play. And play is brilliant for expanding words. Because when we play, we like to name what we're playing with and the actions we're doing. Understanding comes before talking. A lot of people don't really know that, that a child at six months is already able to understand quite a few words. So we work on understanding before we work on talking. And then understanding signs also comes very early on. And then the paint over the house, the paintbrush at the top is speech. And speech can be both talking, like putting sentences together, putting words together and understanding sounds. And that's the final paint on the house. So we really got to get the bricks into the house before we get the paint on the outside of the house. And so a lot of speech therapists work on these foundation skills, these brick, the bricks in the house first. So although we have people coming and asking about speech, and speech is very, very important. We have to work on those bricks first. So the next explanation here is that um, I hope you can see the screen because it, it, you really, yeah, we can. yeah we the first can. thing to do is to, you've got to adapt your position to your child's position and they might be doing different things. And the first thing is to try to make sure that they're comfortable in their position and that they actually can face you face to face. So they could be sitting on a caregiver's lap. They could be sitting on a chair, sitting on the floor, standing, lying down, lying on their side, depending on their motor skills, their physical skills. And we need them to be comfortable. So they've got to be propped up sometimes. And we need to go down to their level and we need to help them be able to have supported movements for their hands and their arms if possible. And we need them to be able to see what we've got so that they can um, see what's going on. So I've actually got um, uh, explanation that comes with this on all those different seating uh, postures, but I've got photos that can illustrate it here now. So if you look at these photos here, the boy lying down on the top, he's got a cushion along his back and he's got a cushion under his knee and his, the top knee is bent and his arms are quite free. Now you could actually 
work with your child on his attention skills if he's lying like that, but you probably have to get very close to the floor yourself. The next chap is in a wheelchair and he's quite well propped up and that means that he can face you. And the little boy down the bottom is sitting propped up in a corner with lots of cushions so that he can actually concentrate forwards on you. And position is really important um, and makes them feel safe um, and that they can attend to you. So, and some more pictures here. Again, I really love the, the one at the bottom with the, um, the uh, board against the table because look how happy the little girl is down the bottom. <laughs> you know playing with her dad you know she's got freedom she can actually reach with her hands and look at her dad and look at us and there's a few more there and all these um photos are about correct positions so they're helpful positions helpful for communication right next a few little tips about um you know that obviously if your child has got uh visual impairments uh, you can face you need to face your child but you can also use contrasts of color on yourself to make yourself stand out and you need to avoid uh, a glaring room like loads of light bouncing everywhere um, and you can use objects that are nice to touch have vibrations have sounds um, thank you <laughs> for hearing impairment um, obviously face to face again You've got to copy your child's um, gestures that they make with their hands. And I know it's really, really obvious, but if your child has a cochlear implant, just make sure it's switched on and the battery works. Really simple housekeeping. And there's a very interesting comment the other day by Deaf Child Worldwide, who have also done some work in Kenya. They said that we can raise a child bilingually with sign language and with a cochlear implant because spoken language is important for learning to read and speak with the hearing population, but that signed language is really quick for learning, thinking and processing. So actually that's a really good thumbs up for those two systems to happen side by side. And then just to say, you've got 10 to 15 minutes to get into your child's attention. I love these photos here. These photos here are about something called intensive interaction. Intensive interaction is where you sit opposite your child and they take the lead. You might think, oh, they're going to be bored. They're not going to do anything. You know, I need to do something with them. But that is not the case. What happens is you sit opposite them and show that you're ready to learn from them. And they will start to engage you or to make little changes. And you can start to make little changes back. It might be opening your mouth wide. It might be clapping. It might be tapping. It could be swaying. It could be anything. And it's the start of the communication. And it's all nonverbal, all without words. Could be with sounds. Those sounds do not have to be words. So you can join in, you can mirror, you can see how your child reacts to you. You don't need anything in your hands at all because you are interesting. 
And that's true even when you're with a child, say, for example, with autism. They still notice you. They're usually incredibly sensitive to what you're doing and how close you are. Okay. So the key to this bit of getting attention, and I say that you should try it for 15 minutes, really. Um, that doesn't mean to say that your child has to attend to you for 15 minutes. What that means is that you need to attend to your child for 15 minutes. <laughs> it's the other way around. It's like we give them the time to have our attention. It's that way around, okay? So you're face to face. You, you use your voice carefully because some children don't like loud voices and switch off. You approach them. Be willing to move to exactly where they are. If your child is lying on a bed or something, then you can approach them and you can create a place where you are maybe lying side to side with them. You can copy what they do. Um, if they point at you, you can point at them. You can be creative, you can have fun. You can give them choices of things by, for example, holding two things up in your hand, like, you know, this kind of thing. I've just got this at the side, you know. You can hold two things up and see if they look at one thing or the other, and then you can pass them the thing they're looking at. Okay, that's a really simple trick. Right, let's just go down there. Okay, so the aim is to slowly lengthen the time that your child can attend to you. So you're teaching attention. Um, and I've just got a few more tips there, which is you can use peekaboo. Does everyone know that one where you go peepo like that? Um, you can use toys of interest. You can turn take with your child, even when they're not expecting you to. And that actually teaches turn taking because um, they don't know what turn taking is until we show them. Right. So this is another just a really a, a good list of, you know, what you're doing. So you're letting your face and voice show you're interested, you're joining in, you're taking turns, you're giving them personal space, you're tuning in to what they're doing, you're imitating them, you're using a lot of pauses where you wait to see what they do back and you've got mutual enjoyment. So there's no agenda, no plan, just time spent together. Now this is very, very different from what we think of as teaching. Because in teaching, you have a plan usually. Whereas this, there is literally, the, the only thing that you're doing is staying with your child and giving them your attention. Okay, I think it's going on this. So imagine that you have two nice sand pit, uh, sand castles next to you. I know what I would do as a grown-up. I mean, even as a grown-up, it brings out the child in me. I look at the sandcastles and I think, I want to go splat on the sandcastle. And so when you're doing this attention building activity, you don't put your hand on the sandcastle first. You see if your child does. <laughs> you see if your child puts his hand on the sandcastle or, and then you copy. And that's what's so nice about it. So you can use different things for building attention. It can be absolutely anything, depending on the age of your child.
When you download the Kroger app, you have easy access to savings every day. Get the most out of weekly sales and receive personalized coupons to save on your favorite items, all while earning one fuel point for every dollar spent. Kroger makes it easy to save while you shop, whether it's in-store or online, so you get the most value out of every trip, every time. Download the Kroger app now to save big on your next purchase. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. You know, it could be as simple as a ball rolling. It could be your face. It could be that you've got a necklace on and they like the light of the, uh, hitting the necklace. You can take the necklace off and show them. It could be, uh, for an older child, it could be Uno cards because they like the shape or they like um, flicking them. And I've got um, a hyperlink here to something called Bingo the Dog, which you probably know about, which has got a fantastic soundtrack to it and some children love it. So it could be just a, a piece of music. Um, so you're observing and listening to your child actually. Um, and notice when you come back in, what do they do when you approach them? What noises and words do they like? How do they show an interest in you? And the, here are some things that you can use very simple um, things that you can use to get attention as well. So when you've moved on from using your own face and your own voice and you want to just use something different, these things are really useful. A scarf because you can put it over your head, take it off, boxes to put things in, things that make sounds, things that you can squash and squeeze, things that you can spin, things that you can blow, things that you can tap really nice simple things the next day try it again try it once a day next day 10 minutes 15 minutes offer them your attention can you think of anything else they like to do squash things stick things smell things put their fingers in things spin things cut things draw things as long as it's safe for them they can do it so there you go you've done your 15 minutes attention and your child is already learning all of these things. They're learning, if you start at the bottom of the screen, they're learning attention, they're learning turn-taking, they're listening to sounds, they're learning people and object play, understanding a word, seeing and copying your hand movements, and maybe, hopefully, they might be copying some speech sounds or even words, and that would be wonderful. Okay, is it okay so far? So far, so good. Yes, we are following Kimmy. Okay, right. Well, we're halfway now. Okay, halfway through the content. So that's good. So there'll be lots of time for questions. And I'll just go into the second bit. The second bit is really about uh, how do you extend this practice beyond basic attention um, to, you know, building sounds and words and joining words. So what I've done is collected some ideas that might be useful to you at this stage but the main aim is that you're only going to extend your communication practice for maybe another 10 20 minutes at the most so you're only hoping maybe to have a half hour practice and that's if your child has been happy with the first 15 minute practice because 
if your child is really, you know, that's as far as they want to go, then you need to leave it there and just stick to 15 minutes every day. But if your child is showing signs of being really engaged and wants to go further, then this is the way to do it. And these are the things to think about. So this 20 minute communication practice, right? You're thinking, right, okay, I need two new activities I can do. What can I do? Well, there are so many activities you can do. There are so many ideas out there. So I'm trying to give you a very simple idea of what you can do. A simple kind of set of choices, if you like, uh, where you, the adult, choose. Okay, I'm going to do this next. Okay, so just to explain, the minute you go from working on attention to working on something else, you're actually doing a sequence of two things. You're doing a warm-up activity, which is attention, and then you're doing a language building activity. And most things in our lives have a sequence or a routine. So washing our hands has a routine. You know, we turn the taps on, we wash our hands, we use the soap, we dry them, that's three steps. Um, making Uji has a routine, and I'm not going to go into that because I haven't done it properly. Um, I, I watch uh, internet <laughs> how to do it, and it is quite simple, but I haven't done it yet. Um, getting ready for bed is a routine. So a routine is action, 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 finish, and it's very satisfying. Sequences are very important to children because they help them remember, help them think. Words that we learn are attached to events and routines we know well. One of the first words that children learn uh, are things like, you know, dinner and bedtime, time for bed. It's one of the first things they learn um, because you say it every day. So they're going to remember it. So I was this slide now um, just shows uh, a routine of two uh, two two activities so it could be that you play music and you jump around the room and then you play with cars it's very simple um i did have a card like this with the swahili words on the top but i've got muddled in my head and i can't remember them it's something like basia or something like that so it's now and then is that right it says first and then, uh, but then it says muziki, which is music, and then you, you have gari, which is a uh, car in Swahili. Oh, good, good. But what's first and then in, it's like a, a now and next or here and then. It's, is it ba, ba, badi, sia or something? No. Uh, first is kwanza. Then okay. if you're going to say then, then you say alafu, that means like what follows. Okay, so, it, so the idea is that you've got a two-step sequence and you, you can do that and it's really, really useful because you can keep changing it. You can do that and then put two new ones on, really useful. Um, but the idea for this is just that in your 20 minutes, you could say, right, we're doing, you know, we're doing two new activities. We're going to do this one and then we're going to do that one. And all you have to do is really hand draw a picture. And all you all you need is an A4, you know, and you can color two squares and put two pictures in uh, for what you're going to do. I, I did this in clinic and it's perfectly fine just to draw them. So you've got your attention builders. And then the idea is 
for those two new activities that there is a bit of an added cognitive load, which means that, you know, you're expecting more thought. <laughs> so you're starting to move towards activities that involve more steps, even in themselves. So for example, a puzzle would take, you know, if 10 puzzle pieces into the puzzle before you finished it. So it's concentrating, thinking, maybe matching the puzzle piece to the puzzle picture, if you get it. Um, if you're putting hoops on a ring, you're expecting a child to understand and maneuver big and little hoops. So there's more thinking. Um, you might be making something, you might make, you know, a snake out of Play-Doh. Um, well, that involves symbolic understanding that you're kind of making something that represents something else. Um, or you might be putting two objects together in play for a really common one is not just to push a car, but to put a character or small character over the top of the car and then pretend that they're driving it. And that understanding goes with in the end putting two words together in speech as well because putting two things together in play is the same cognitive ability as putting two words together when you talk so it's actually a really good way of building uh, language understanding so there we go and if children know that they're not having to concentrate for too long then that helps them because we we all concentrate better. Like if you knew there were only five slides left, you would concentrate better because you're not worried about how long it's going on and children are the same. Okay, so what are they gonna learn from the extra time with you? Sorry about that. What are they gonna learn from the extra time? They're gonna be more time to practice hearing and seeing your message, more time to make sense of what they've heard, seen and touched more time to think of what they want to say, more time to get control of this, more, more time to point and sign and communicate with you. So this is where it gets really broad because I mean, there are so many different activities out there. So you can choose what you're gonna do because you might need to prepare it a little bit, but be led by your child's likes because you're expecting them to concentrate for longer. So you really need to do something that is going to excite them, that they're going to like. That's very, very true. Well, of any child. So it doesn't matter what that like is, as long as it's safe and you can do it with them, do it. So I've started with sensory play at the top because even things like, well, tubs full of water for children who like water play. We had a lovely game in clinic, which was washing the animals with a toothbrush. So you get some plastic animals in a tub and you wash them with a toothbrush. <laughs> it's great. Cold spaghetti is another one. Really strange, but if you get some cold, you know, cook some pasta and put some colors in it, that's safe. You can do all sorts of things with that. It's very tactile. Apparently corn flour is a complete magical ingredient and you can do all sorts of strange things with that all on the internet. 
Um, having a bucket with interesting things that you haven't tried before or things that, you know, bouncy balls, things that light up, anything. And then giving them one at a time is a really good thing. So you could do posting, sorting, matching hoops, matching pictures. If they like pictures, go for, for pictures. If they like uh, pretend play with figures, then you can do that. I mean, in this country, we tend to use things like Playmobil and Lego, but you can use anything. I mean, you get, there are free figures that come out of uh, uh, cracker toys sometimes in their ideal sometimes, as long as they can't swallow them. Music, sound makers, rhymes, songs, books. I've put some nice pictures here because these pictures all came out of a program called Attention Autism, which is worth looking up. Attention Autism is a program that develops attention. And they use such wonderful activities that if you go on the internet and look up what parents have been doing in their homes, it's just brilliant. So, um, all of these things you can make happen, except for the top one where it's more things that have obviously been purchased. So uh, matching picture games, these all help with the cognitive load. I wanted to get lots of pictures on here, but I haven't had the time to do that. But essentially it's puzzles and pictures. Um, pretend play is uh, small figures. Uh, little Lego figures, uh, little cuddly toys, things like that. It's things like dressing up your cuddly toys, getting them to do everyday routines. Um, most of the children I see never get on to role play. You know, they just they just didn't uh, because role play is when you actually put on different things yourself. But some children will. Um, cars, construction, blocks, minifigures. You can do an awful lot with with building blocks and hiding uh, characters behind. Uh, there's so much. Um, and then I found this lovely, I don't know if this will link, but, oh, it has, yeah, it's gonna be quite noisy in a minute. Okay, the reason I played that is because we all have songs that we know and, and sometimes that not many other people know as well. You know, there are songs unique to you as a parent that you know that you got brought up with, that you were brought up with, sorry. Um, and they're the kinds of things you sing in the bath and the things you sing to your children every day. Now, these songs and these rhymes are the most important for developing speech and language um, because I, they just emphasize words and patterns and rhythms. So use them. So as part of your routine to build your child's attention, use songs, um, use rhymes. Um, it's a really good thing to do. 
So I really like this. I don't know if we've got, I'll just check the time, but I'll just show you. I hope it, I hope people are aware. I don't know if I can ask a question. Um, are people aware of Ikitabu Digital Storytime? I'm sure um, Martha is. Mm. That's my question to the audience. Anyone who knows you can raise your hand. Personally, no. Do you know, okay, Ikitabu Digital Storytime is a, a sort of, I think it's a new channel, if you like, as part of Ikitabu. And they're playing digital uh, signing story times every, I don't know if it's every day, but it's absolutely wonderful. Um, and it means that people can pick up the signs and they're also really lovely, um, simple books. So that if you're not signing, you can still pick up a lot of language from them. Um, and it would be possible for you as a parent to sort of learn the signs, learn the words, and then go through the story again. Okay. Um, I'll just, just show this. Don't know if it'll let me. Okay, it will let me. Hello, hello. So the Welcome to Digital Storytime. We are going to read interesting stories for grade three learners, but can be enjoyed by all children. Each story has a title, a body, questions, and a glossary for you to learn new words and signs. So that's that's the introduction. I'm going to stop that there a minute, but it goes into this beautiful story with signing alongside the picture book. And it would be perfectly possible to get hold of the picture book and then do it again with your child. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And um, it's really lovely. So, so you've picked your activity, which could be, you know, it could be puzzles. It could be that you're making something. It could be that you're, um, you know, even showing them a book. But the main thing is that when you're playing, this is when you change the way you speak a little bit. And now a lot of us do it naturally and it's internationally recognized that all cultures, the parents change the way they speak to children to help the children to learn. So what I have now is just an explanation of the changes that we usually make, but these are the things that help your child to learn. Okay, so you're gonna name one thing at a time to start, if you're teaching a word, you're, you're repeating it, I mean, a lot. And sometimes children may take, you know, up to a hundred repetitions before they actually learn to say a word. And you just, you repeat it when it's appropriate to do that. You can't just sit there repeating one word and expect them to pick it up. But you try to repeat it in an activity where they're asking for something. So a target word or even a sound can take a week to learn or more. Some children can't say words and are only saying sounds, in which case I advise you to actually copy that sound back to them as much as possible and then try and do a new sound. 
And the place to start with sounds is actually to do with um, sounds we make every day, like even animal sounds uh, is a really good place to start. Uh, or even, you know, mm for mama <laughs> and buh for baba, that kind of thing. Um, so what can help with sounds? Pictures of animals, transport pictures, even listening for sounds and then putting a button in a cup every time you hear your your mum make a particular sound or your dad make a particular sound, that kind of thing is really sweet. Um, when you're playing, you're going to be very highly repetitive with what you're saying. You're going to use very, very simple sentences. Like I'm talking to you now and I'm talking in these really long sentences. And really, when you're talking with children, you need to say very, very small sentences. So one word, two words. So, you know, mummy's coat and dad's, dad's bike dad's bicycle, that kind of thing, um, really small. And don't worry about missing little words because the main words are names for things, action words, and to begin with, describing words like big, little, red, you know, yellow, uh, shiny, that kind of thing. So you're exaggerating your words. You might say, Oh, Mgari, I'm not going to say that right. So car, you might say it very long and slow to help them pick it up, slowness of speech. So it's official that these changes we make to the way we speak make it easier for children to pick out the words we're saying. So you might be commenting on what people are doing. You might be saying descriptive words. You might be saying things like up, down, on, off, because these are very useful functional words and children tend to pick them up because it gives them control over their environment. So if a child holds up their hands and they learn the word up, you're gonna pick them up. So that's a powerful word. word. So they're gonna learn that word. Uh, the same with down, if they want to go down a slide and it's exciting and they want to go down and you're holding them, they would say down because it's a powerful word. They get to do what they want. And, you know, things like off, like switches on and off really intrigue children. Okay. Uh, so you're repeating a word every day. You're hoping that they get you, well, you're helping them ask for something they really want. Uh, so uh, it might be that they really want their drink. Um, so you're, naming that word. Uh, you can use word pictures. I've actually attached a lot of resources to this PowerPoint. They're all hidden behind the scenes and I can share them with people uh, afterwards via Sylvia probably. Um, but word pictures can be useful um, later on when you're kind of naming and matching things and you can show them the actions. So there you go. So this slide is actually just a repeat of what I've just said, which is that you're going to repeat what the child has said. You're going to add in a few more words. You're going to read together, that kind of thing. And which words can you teach? Well, again, powerful words are things like, I want more, uh, stop, help me, 
by the way, I've just used the wrong signs, I think, uh, Kenyan signs. I think I will rely on um, Martha. Martha. Okay, Martha, can you show me more in Kenyan sign? Martha? It's more. More. Yeah, that's it. More. I forget, see. Yeah. Can you do stop for me? Stop. Stop. Okay, right. Yeah, well, we all need to do that. Yeah, good. Stop. And then help. Oh, that's the same, right? That's the same. Um, and uh, can you do I want? I want. I oh, want. yeah, it's that. That's it. I want. That's it. Yeah. And then no. No. What's no? 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 No. Ah, okay. So the thing to know about sign is that it's a whole different language in itself so English signing British signing is different from Kenyan signing it's a different language <laughs> yeah excellent um thank you very much um Asante Sana <laughs> yeah thank you um right so if your child is a bit more able then you're going to be starting to describe things to them and you're going to be talking about different topics with them. So this 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 uh, slide is actually for a later date. It's for another presentation, really, because uh, that's about how to develop language further. You know, so I'm going to leave that there just to say that if you're trying to get a child to join words, then, you know, describing pictures, giving getting the child to give you instructions like mummy jump on the mat <laughs> is a three word instruction and it helps them to join words because they have power over you <laughs> um, and describing what you're doing in play. So, you know, talking through what you're like. So for example, let's give an example. Got a giraffe here. <laughs> if I wanted a child to put words together, it's basically, you got giraffe eats my eye, okay? So you're you're able to label what the character's doing. So giraffe eats my eye. Is it kachakula? Okay. So moving on, you've got um, how do you use the different methods of communication? Um, and the answer is they actually can go all together. You can use pointing, you can use words, you can use signs, and you can even use pictures to get what you want. And that's called picture exchange. And I think people will know about picture exchange. Uh, but I can explain that uh, another time a bit more as well. So there you've got your Kenyan sign language. Mm -hmm. I like that picture. <laughs> um, so you're adding to your words with gestures and pictures. So I've got an example down the bottom of the screen of uh, an eye talking, an eye pointing page. Um, top, I don't know if I can highlight it. Um, yeah. Oh gosh, I don't know if I can highlight this again, but yeah. it's essentially you've got um 
top of the corner is the more symbol, bottom is stop. And then you've got two choices, whether your child wants a bit of a tickle or whether they want a song. And this is an eye pointing chart. So you can actually print it off and the child can look at which thing they mean, which thing they want to happen. Okay. Okay. So after that, you've also got a chance to, when your activity is over, your longer activity is over, you've got a chance to um, even get your child to help them tidy up. Sorry, get your child to help you tidy up. And that gives them another chance to use their fine motor skills and for you to, uh, and for you to name actions and name places. So you can name verbs like, you know, put this back, give this to me, put it on this, under this, in this. And that just is a really good uh, way of uh, getting more, more words <laughs> and talking about more words. So the real, the conclusion is that you're not going to be able to get everything you desire at home and all the best activities. But actually, the best activity is actually you. You are the, how do I put it? The creme de la creme. You're the most important ingredient in your child learning speech and language communication. So it's not really as much about the things as about you and how you give interest to it. So there are lots and lots of different activities, fun activities that you can do. But the person that makes it interesting is you. Um, you know, because if you got something really interesting and just left it on the floor in front of your child, it's not going to be interesting. <laughs> it's you showing them how you do it that is interesting and that keeps their attention. And that's what helps them to learn language. So you are the um, most important thing in the toolbox, basically. Okay, so this is another example of some wild and wacky uh, activity that they've been doing in attention autism. Uh, and it, I can't even work out what they've done here, whether they've mixed up corn flour with uh, colors and they've just created a spectacle like that. And that is really fascinating. So a child will be looking at that. And if you went, oh, it's all long and drippy, Wow, you know, they might learn the word wow. <laughs> Finished. There you go. So last thing, last slide to completely finish is remember in this time of COVID that you are not the teacher. It's and that's incredibly important that you're not the teacher. Teachers are absolutely wonderful and they have a curriculum that they're following. But you are not the teacher, you're the parent. And so the main thing is that it's fun and that you keep your relationship good with your child. So if they are struggling against something that you're doing or against having to stay still or anything, then change the activity or just help them to relax again and that is incredibly important because you're the parent 
Uh, don't ever let a program interfere with your relationship with your child. So this is just an idea of what you could do. So the first aid kit really is you give signals to your child that an activity is about to happen. That could be just calling them by name or touching them. Or, or, or it, if your child is autistic, maybe they only want to see something before you come. So maybe you have to push something towards them and sit well back so that they have their chance. Um, position yourself so your child can see and hear you. Use a calm voice. Wait for your child to respond. Have favorite activities nearby because sometimes um, if you go off for a long period of time to look for something, it can kind of go wrong. So wait for your child to respond. Be aware of your own stress level. Use clear and direct language and allow for happy changes when your child is, you know, you think they're not going to concentrate for much longer. And don't try to do it for too long. And there you go. Short and sweet is the best and regular. There you go. That's it. <laughs> Finished. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Thank you very much for that lovely presentation. Um, I'm sure we've learned a lot. Um, and at least the basics of how to supplement um, learning for the children, especially with the sign language. I can see one question that we have in the chat that is um, someone has asked, what apps can I use with kids? Ooh, gosh, that is a biggie. What apps? Mm. If you're talking about communication apps, Yes, I believe, I believe that's it, communication apps. Okay, there are free ones out there, but I do like the grid um, and it might even be grid. I'm actually not sure what version it is now because they, they change it very frequently. But the grid, grid six, it possibly is now, it used to be something you could get hold of on um, an iPad or an iPod. Um, it's harder to get hold of it on um, an Android because uh, it, it's, it's just harder, less compatible. Um, but something called Grid Talk is really useful. And there, do you know what? It's a while since I've looked at it, so I'd have to go and look at it up again at the moment. Yeah, but a Grid Talk is the one to look at first, I think. There you go. All right. Um, so for everyone, kindly, if you'd like to ask a question, raise your hand or at least put it on the chat box. Then there was a question that if, if um, the storytelling platform, is it for free? Oh, the Ikita, yes, because I got hold of it. I mean, I just, uh, I heard about it from um, a webinar uh, to do with uh, literacy and education for deaf children in Kenya. And there's a lot of work going on at the moment to um, improve that whole uh, service for children who uh, are learning signing. And there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of resources have gone into it. So it's free. Yeah. Okay, so that's free. All right, that is fine. Uh, those who joined in late, we had Sally here get, get, taking us through sign language and uh, uh, she has finished the presentation. We shall of course be 
putting that on our social media pages. Currently we are live on Facebook and we shall be doing the same after this. We shall have it well packaged and put out on YouTube. So I don't know if there's anyone with a question. If you have a question, please raise your hand so that we can give you the opportunity to ask a question. Remember this is interactive. That's why we call it the hangout so that it's just not a webinar where someone comes and talks and we go home. <laughs> so it's good, a good. I've talked for too long. <laughs> So that at least we have you taking part in this conversation. Um, just, just to ask, yeah, for I'm, I'm trying to see for those with like severe cerebral palsy, the children with severe cerebral palsy. I know most people always ask, I start speech therapy. When will the child speak? Um, just because they're making cooing sounds now for for some of them, does that mean that they're ready to start talking? And how do I encourage that so that it could come faster or something like that? Kindly just let us know about that. Well, um, it does take sometime and sometimes the speech doesn't come in the way that we expect it to so it's it's a long slow process of learning different vowels and different sounds in words and sometimes a child learns to make some words recognizable um, that we you know we can understand them but they often need um supportive communication alongside that like um being able to show you know, have a communication book with pictures in it to show what they mean as well. So the answer is that um, speech therapists are very open-minded and will work as hard as they can with your child to move them on, to give them an increased range of sounds. But sometimes it's not possible to get all of those sounds and all of those words. Um, and so we have to use alternative methods as well, alternative methods of communication. Um, can you, you said about um, sometimes they're cooing. Yes. Okay. Well, cooing is the first, cooing and babbling is the first part of learning to talk. Um, so it's all about control of lips, tongue, and what are called the articulators. So lips, tongue, and moving them to get the right sound. So it's all about learning patterns of movement for your muscles, really, with cerebral palsy. And that's a very difficult thing to do. You, we know that because they often have uh, difficulty with their gross motor skills. So we know that there's it's a long haul for control over this as well. Uh, but using a variety of methods, they can get a long way with their communication skills and often their understanding is great so it's extremely important they have access to speech and language therapy in some way that's good at least that's encouraging uh we have another question so she says hi my son is five years and repeats every word i speak does it mean he will speak soon i know that's echolalia but then what about now actual conversation okay so he's repeating does he ever my question back would be does he ever spontaneously say a word when it has not been said for a while z and d please answer you can just uh, let me unmute you so you can just uh 
I've unmuted you. Just just speak. Hello. Yes, we can hear you. Yeah, my son is five years old. Wherever I speak something or any word, he repeats after it. And sometimes you can see is uh, is understanding but what it means. She had asked you. Yeah. So he he mm -hmm. will he'll repeat after you, but does he ever use it? first sorry will, does he ever use it first will he ever use that word first before he, you used it he can speak it sometimes at any given time not related with what you are doing yeah but it's still a start it's still a start um children like to repeat words they like the sound of to themselves and then eventually we're trying to train them to use them functionally with us to get something um so what is the word that he repeats like now we can say red color you can always say red color uh, say red. sometimes there's no red around yeah. He says that he says there's no red around, does he? Yeah, there's no red around, anything red around, but you can say red color, color red. Oh, and that's lovely. Um, it's really lovely. Um, it shows that he really likes those sounds. You know, he probably likes the sound R as well, like the, you know, because it's a, um, he probably in a way likes it almost like you like the taste of a word it's a sensory feeling of saying the r red around you know it's a really um it's got a nice kind of repeated thing to it um the the thing is that uh, some children learn to say phrases they really really like but they don't use them to kind of ask for things from us they use them to sort of talk to themselves you know to make pleasing sounds i mean have you ever come across a child that just makes, that hums to themselves because they like the sound of the humming? It's sort of a bit like that. So what you're looking for with your child is that um, you're hoping that you can introduce a word to them that will get them something that they want. And so what is the favorite thing of your child? You know, what what is the thing that he would ask you for if he could? Yeah, he can ask even for water. He can say water. Good. That's Those right. Are the words water. Maybe he loves chips. He can say chips. That's great. And they can say chips and they cry all over. Oh, that's great. Sorry, I say it's great that he's crying. It's not great that he's crying, but it's great that... He, he's got some words and he's using them to get things he wants. So that's a start. So you can, mm. you know, try and get five words like that. Mm. And so maybe he uses two or three at the moment and you're trying to increase it to about five things that he really wants. And it's, to be honest, it's absolutely fantastic that he's got two that he's using because it means that he's made that connection because there are some children who can't make that connection, who, who still struggle to be intentional about their communicating, whereas your son has learned. So work towards five words he can use to ask for things. And then um, 
put in a word like more, like more, more drink. Sorry, I'm using the wrong sign. More, more drink, you know, more biscotti or. Maureen, Maureen is signing the Kenyan style. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. Oh, well done, thank you. Which one is it again? Do the more, I wasn't looking for. That's it, more, more, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, so the answer to you is that he's on the way. And that actually, um, can I just explain that when he says red around, yeah you might think, oh, he's using a longer sentence now. It's great. He's going to be joining words soon. You might be thinking that, okay? But there's a big difference between saying something because you like the sound of it and saying something to get something. So at the moment, he says drink to get a drink. So he's using single words, mm. right? Yes. Read around sounds like two words, but he's not using it functionally. So what you have to look at is, okay, he's saying two or three words to ask for things and he's using one word at a time. So I need to teach him more single words first. Mm -hmm. And then I need to teach him two word joining, but in a functional way. So mm -hmm. if I teach him more, more drink, then, and he gets more drink when he wants more drink, then that's functional. And that's that that's the development of language. Read around is brilliant for fun, but that's what it is. It's fun. It's fun with word, sounds, which is good as well. Okay? Yes. I believe that answers it. Um, the other question I had uh, is uh, when I visited, when I came to the UK and I visited a class, I saw that there is a mix of Pecs, there is a mix of sign language, the one that's called, is it Makaton? Yeah, that's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and while here in our, in our schools, we have none of that. Most of the time you find here and there, they use Pecs, there are places they don't, because of the standardization has not yet been done or achieved, or the schools have not been held accountable in a way that they have to make sure that it's being done. because. Sometimes it feels, as a caregiver, that feels like my child is being denied an opportunity to express themselves while it should be done when they're still young and when they're still in school. What are your thoughts on that? Okay. First thing to say is that in the UK, it was also a struggle in the early days, not so long ago, say the 80s, 90s, it was and, and further on from that, it was a struggle for schools to adopt or to use, for schools to use different practices to do with, okay, now we have to use signs, now we have to use uh, pictures, picture pecs. Um, and it was only when uh, something called total inclusion was introduced that those practices changed. And still, even up to sort of late 1990s, almost 2000, 2010 even, you know, therapists and other people still go into schools, even special schools sometimes in the UK and go, well, have you tried it like this? Have you tried it like that? So it's an ongoing process. 
So don't feel that you're too far behind because it's an ongoing process where everyone has to support everyone else to use methods that seem a bit harder at first, you know, to get them fully, uh, fully meshed in. Um, and your question about whether you can use signing and PECs together, the answer is um, yes, you can. You can use a system sort of overlaid on, on top of each other. Um, some children definitely don't like sign and don't even pay attention to it and it irritates them and they want to use, they can use PECs. Um, but there is no problem with uh, putting these methods like that. The real difficulty, as you said, is, is getting everybody trained up to use those methods because there's an awful lot of misunderstanding. Um, you know, a lot of people think that PECs is, you know, as soon as you put some pictures up in a classroom that you're doing PECs, uh, but actually you're not. Um, if you've got pictures up in a classroom, that's brilliant. You're using pictures and symbols and showing sequences. But if you want to use PECs, it's a very, very structured thing uh, that you sit down and you have two adults with the child to begin with, and you're actually training the child and you're moving through phases, very, very structured. And then eventually the child becomes independent. There you go. All right. <laughs> okay. Sorry about my long answers. <laughs> no, that's good because it explains in detail uh, it explains in details and that's and that's something that's good. Um, the other one was um, at what point should it be advisable when a child just starts uh, like when they start stringing sentences, at what point should we introduce like a secondary language, you know, like here in our country, you have English, you have Swahili, then you have your mother tongue. So is that a whole lot for a special needs child? Or because sometimes you'll find, I'll give you an example. I was watching a series that had um, captions, but then the original was in Chinese. And I realized that they picked up words very fast. So should, just, should that prompt that I should um, focus on that or try and get them to learn the language because they are picking it up or just like, yeah. So, cause that got me a bit confused. Actually, so you're saying that the child, your child was watching a series, you're saying that they were watching something and it was a different language on the... Yeah, I, I was watching, but because they're there when I'm watching it. So every time they just see it, then there is the most common phrase that they kept hearing. And it was yeah, quite, yeah. yeah. So I was wondering, is it too late? Is it too early to start introducing a secondary language? I... This is, do you know what? I, I haven't read the recent research, the most recent research on it. So this is kind of my take on it, really. Mm -hmm. my, my understanding is that if you're learning something at home, naturally, that, that it's fine to continue with that. If, you, if they show an interest, I mean, obviously, hearing a couple of words on a on a different language program on the telly is very different to the normal context of your language at home. So if you're speaking Lua at home, for example, or Kiswahili at home, then that's what the child will learn at home. If they go to 
school and they learn English and the main language is English and that's what they're learning in school. Um, the, the fact is that Kenyan children appear to be multilingual. They're not even just bilingual, they're multilingual a lot of the time. So I think what I'm saying is that you know what your normal context of language is. So you, you need a bit of a bedrock in one language. So if you were at home, Sylvia, you would be talking Kiswahili or English? I'd be, okay, I'd be talking English, which they understand. My nanny talks Kiswahili, uh, yeah. you know? So, cause I've realized like one of them has started speaking Swahili better than the English. Like he's, it's yeah. easier for him to talk. So I'm wondering, are we confusing him by that? Cause he can engage you in both. But then he started fully stringing sentences in January. And by now he has better Swahili than he had the English as at that point. So that that is uh, that where the confusion comes it, in. It, it's, it's really difficult, isn't it? It's, uh, yes. it's, it's, I mean, my feeling is again, to use my hands again, is that one goes like that, one goes like that, one goes like that, one goes like that I, again. And that, that, that I don't see a whole lot of point in, say, for example, forcing your mum to speak, you know, English, or 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 even in you speaking more Kiswahili to him. I think that in a way you've got a natural development of language that's going on and a natural bilingualism that's going on. And I I would be I, I think you can expect if a child is delayed in language they're going to be delayed in all their languages. It's not like, if they're delayed, if they have a developmental language disorder, they're going to have that in the other language as well. And so their progress in learning the language is going to be slower with both languages, but it does not stop them learning two languages. Okay. And it doesn't, ne it doesn't necessarily slow them down learning two languages either. It's just that they're already, they've already got a language disorder that delays their progress but I don't think you're going to get any massive advance by mm. cutting out one of those languages because I think you're missing everything else as well like if you were to cut out Kiswahili you're missing out on all the culture embedded in Kiswahili and if you cut out English you you'd miss out on the teaching medium and all the other stuff so you can't really cut one thing out you just have to accept that there'll be a slower progress but it'll build you know because some concepts exist in some languages but not in others so you're going to be building their language whether you've got two languages there or not okay all right thank you for that um i i uh, then there is another question. Since speech is delayed, can I take him to a normal school or should it be a special school? That's a question that we have from a parent. Well, I would definitely say um, inclusion first, as in, you know, I mean, I don't know your child, so I don't know if there are other difficulties that need to be considered. And obviously your education assessment resource center, your EARC would be giving you advice on that. But if you just say to me now, it's just a delay speaking. And I'm thinking, well, maybe, you know, 
cognitively everything else is fine and she's happy or he's happy and you know can sit and listen and engage then definitely inclusion and mainstream school like I don't know how old your child is but have those chats with the teachers have the chat with the e eARC and get them into school you know that's the most important thing and being in a mainstream school is very useful and will develop them because they can hear what their peers are saying and all the language of the playground all that and if and, and if that isn't appropriate then the eart will advise you know Oh, so, uh, Sylvia, I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. I can't uh, wanna... That's all right. I can hear you. <laughs> all right. Thank you for that. No, I'm saying uh, accessing EX services here is a bit of a challenge. We don't have many of that available. So that's one of the challenges that parents are faced with because you want to take your child to school, but then the process of assessment and getting an assessor that is legit and all that you find is quite a bit of a challenge. So you, we are forced to just play like guess what for for example for my youngest i had i took him like for about three years in a normal school there wasn't much progress then i took him to a special school and bam even within one year we have speech we have you know yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. It, it makes it very hard for us to to just find a place where you can go get your assessment and out and then the few who are there like the private ones the government one takes long the private one also now is expensive all right, because you'll see like assessment will be something like 15,000, you'll be told. So that yeah, yeah. is like 150 pounds. So you see that puts a parent with all the strains that are currently yeah. there in a quagmire yeah. as to, okay, is this a priority or do I just wing it? Uh, I'd love to find out more about the um, that question actually. Who, sorry, I'm so sorry. I missed who asked that question about my yeah. child only has doesn't have words. Should I take them to a mainstream school? Who who asked the question? Yeah, the, same, the same lady about um, Ecolalia. Oh, red room. You mean about yeah. the yeah red around? I mean, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a tricky one because I know usually if children are very slow to develop use of words and they have um you know that funny kind of echolalia if you like um mm. you know it, it's one of those situations where you really need to kind of have an assessment of some kind okay uh, by someone <laughs> by you know by uh, i mean you know um yeah right. and there are you know there are people around Yes, assessment and actually knowing the general everything else because it's not speech only that determines if you're going. No, I mean that that sounds like you know there might be things like repetitive behaviours or or stimulus seeking like sensory seeking stuff or liking lights and noises and you know repetitive play that kind of thing. Okay, there is another question we have. Um, my son is six. My concern is he can't pronounce some sounds. Example, letters he can use his lips like sound M is easy with sound sh. That's S-H, he can't. With How old is he? 
six. He's six. Uh, oh, so she's six. Okay. So, so she, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, she's asking if it will come with time. Will will the child develop? Um, will the child develop it in time or? Is that his? Uh, can I just check? Is that his only sound that's missing? Are there? Is there any other sound that's missing? Like, can he say um, a spoon? You know, with a certain a per. Can he? Okay. G. Let me just unmute her, and then she can at least engage you one one. Okay. You're un. Okay. I am trying to unmute her. All right. You take it. Take the floor. Answer the question. Hello. Please. Yes. Yes. Okay, my concern is my son's, my son can say sounds like, let's say a word like mom, he is able to pronounce that, but a word like, a word with a sh, he can't, he can't do that. Yeah. Yes, and letters like T, he can do that, but with sh, the, the, the one that he uses is tongue, letters that he uses with tongue and the, the upper part of the mouth, he can't, he can't do that. Oh, I see. So, um, he cut. Can he say, um, oh, can he say chip, chips, chips? No, no, okay. because it, so he can't. He can't say a ch, and he can't say a sh. Yes. Can, yes. Can he, he can't do that. Can he say a Danny like with a duh? No. Let's say something like t. He can. He can. But, yes, but at D he can't. Oh, he can't. Well, that's that's. I think that's. Well, that's interesting, actually. Yeah. So, um, gosh, your question was, uh, will those sounds come? And he's will he, yes, yes. Will they come? Will they come with the time? He's five. He's five, right? He's well, six. oh six. Um, a duh. A duh for uh, oh gosh, I can't think yeah. of. A, Kiswahili word, but a duh for dad in in English, um, a duh should come by you know by three even three and a half four and sh and ch should come, you know by five by definitely by five. Um, so uh, you you are you're looking at a speech delay and it sounds like, uh, you know the to do with the tip of his tongue in a way and the movement of that. But I'm interested that he can say a t. Because that, if he can say a t, he should be able to develop a d. <laughs> um, and it's interesting. Um, does his, I, does his t sound funny? Okay, he can't talk. He can't make a sentence. But some words like calling me, he can call mom. He he can call an uncle, but he cannot make a sentence. But he communicates. Right. He he communicates, but can't talk. Okay, okay. So he he so he has a language uh, yes. development delay as well because he's is he speaking in single words or is he putting two words together? Single words and there are things that he's familiar with, not something that just comes up. Okay, so so the other thing is that um when there's a language delay that is the limiting thing as well in terms of his speech sound development probably matches his language development so you know 
his speech sound development may be quite appropriate, quite good, if you like, and that maybe his language development is more delayed. I mean, was he, um, there are so many, <laughs> there are a few different things to consider in the things you've told me. Okay. And again, it's one of those things where um, it would be very good to see a speech therapist. Again, sorry, I, I have to say it. I mean, that that it would be appropriate to have an assessment of some kind, uh, or at least, you know, um, you know, have a case history with someone where they could ask you, you know, how his speech and language developed. Okay. Um, that I, I believe I'm not seeing that there is any other question that we have. We have gone way past our usual one and a half. Sorry, sorry. No, not, that's not your fault. So long as the parents are satisfied, I believe that's what's key and that's what's important. And uh, at least we've had that. And I'm sure there, there has been gains here and there and also on the online platform. And um, with that, there being no other questions, I'd like to pass on my vote of thanks. Maureen got bumped off, uh, so I'll still say thank you for your sign language support. Yeah, thank you. I think she's gone, but I think, thank you very much. Very yeah. much. Because it has assisted, because at least we've gotten to learn a few things that we can supplement uh, that like sound with, which is not the sign part of the language. And yeah. um, to you, Sally, we'd like to say a very, very big thank you. Thank you for your time, taking time to set up uh, the slides and also to, uh, taking off your Saturday to just be with us here and to support us. And it's, it's pretty cool that you've actually been here in Kenya. And so you understand how things are like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was really lovely to work there. Yeah, really lovely. Yeah, so that, 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 that was quite cool also. So um, there being no other question, thank you all for joining us this week on our special needs hangout. I think it's episode 10 or something like that. But we keep going next week. We shall be discussing um, em not emotional intelligence per se, but we shall be discussing boys, puberty, and um, it's disappearing, self-esteem. Yes, we shall be having two speakers, local speakers, who have, are in school setups and they have been able to work with uh, special needs boys through their teenage week. And then after that, we shall be having nutrition. And after nutrition, we shall go to the ladies and check out on how do we handle hormones? How do we handle menstrual health and sexuality uh, with the kids? So that means July is gonna be packed. Although since we did not take, normally this Saturday is usually taken off. The last Saturday is supposed to be our R&R. So most likely after next week, we will take a break the next Saturday, but for sure we will be back. So save the date, the e-shop will be out. We shall be posting also the, the this coverage on our YouTube channel. So if there's something you'd like to go back to, kindly do so. If you would like um, for us to add you on our mailing list and re remind you about our e-shop, our um, send you e-shops and remind you of all the um, sessions that we have coming up. Also, you can drop your contacts on the chat. And once again, thank you very much for joining us. And there being no other question, as always, the way I like to finish, 
as a caregiver, don't forget yourself. You need to be in good shape to be able to support your child. You need to be perfect for them to get that positive vibe from you. I know right now it's a bit straining. We're all struggling, but you can do this. You're doing a good job so far. Never forget that. So take care of you. When you feel you need to rest, kindly do so. Take that snooze. Take that couple um, minutes off. Lock yourself in your room if you have to. <laughs> and like Sally said, remember you're not a teacher. When the child is not in the mood, leave it. When they're in the mood, they will come to you and you get better results at that point. Definitely. Yeah. Is there Thank anything you'd like to add, Sally? <laughs> Thank you ever so much. It's been really, really lovely to do this today. Thanks. All right. Thank you. If we get more demand, we shall call you back for clarity. I had you said this is part one, so that was the beginning. So maybe we might have another session about getting into the complexities of uh, language and communication but i believe we have all gained and um well do have a lovely weekend and pass our love from andy speaks to your children i've been with you sylvia moramo chabo the founder of andy speaks for special needs persons and thank you thank you thank you okay all right ciao and have a fabulous evening yeah you too all right ciao Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you.